When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today marks the 10th anniversary of DC radio personality Mark Stern creating a Hollywood firestorm with his impersonation of Christopher Walken. I spoke with Mark about his memories of the Walken controversy and how he created his British alter ego Nigel on the Tony Kornheiser show. Mark Stern, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Jason, it is always great to see you and always great to chat with you, man. Now, you, you know, one of my all time favorite people, um, you know, used to go on your your podcast, your move at the movies podcast back when you used to do that. And of course, I, I think I've come on, you know, Tony's show to Kornheiser show to do Oscar picks one time with you. We Even before we started recording this, we talked an hour um, about, you know, the thin man and the best years of our lives. And we could go all day. <laughs> We really could. It's like uh, it's like just sitting down with your best pal and just talking about the things you love. And uh, you and I, it doesn't matter if we haven't talked in a while. We sit down and we pick up like it was just yesterday. And uh, I love God, I could talk to those movies all day long. I love that stuff. Absolutely. And well, the reason we had you on today is a really special, hilarious occasion. <laughs> today marks the 10th anniversary, 10 years of when you fooled the world, fooled Hollywood <laughs> with uh, an impersonation you did of Christopher Walken, um, and it set the world on fire. AP picked it up. Hollywood took note, and it was all a farce. So um, set it up for me. I mean, what was the bit? So, um, God, 10 years. It's amazing how fast that flies by. It seems like yesterday. Right? Uh, I was working at uh, Sports Talk 980 or ESPN 980, and uh, I was doing Tony's show and I was doing Kevin Sheehan's show, uh, The Sports Fix. And Kevin and I were talking about bits that we wanted to do. And everybody knew that I'd been I'd been doing this Christopher Walken impersonation for a while, which I learned, by the way, from Billy Bush when I was doing uh, the morning show with him, the, the Bush League morning show in Z104 back over 20 years ago now. Um, Billy used to do the impersonation and I picked it up from him. And it's one of those voices, right? Jason, once you start doing it, you just can't stop at all. And so uh, I would just love it. And we had this idea, what if Christopher Walken, we also wanted to talk about fantasy football and we're like, well, this is a way we could talk about fantasy football. Christopher Walken will call in and give us his picks for the week, like who you should start and who you should sit. And then he'll talk about like some ridiculous movie that he's making, you know, and it was always like a reboot of Gilligan's Island with Megan Fox's uh, Marianne or something like that. It was always, you know, and he was going to play the professor. It was like always something that was just plausible enough that you'd say that actually sounds like it might be a real movie. And then he would go straight from that into uh, right. And if you've got Robert Griffin, the third on your bench, and I'm going back to when Robert Griffin was playing. Like, you're a moron. You got to start him against the Bears this weekend, Kev. 
Um, and we had it, you know, that he was a huge Washington football fan that, he, you know, he had this huge Winnebago and he tailgate all the time. So we certainly built up this character and uh, and it was great fun. But we always used to get people calling in being like, how do you know, like Christopher Walken? Like, <laughs> That's such a big was- get. <laughs> it's a really big guy and he calls in every week and he's just this huge fan i had no idea so uh we had a lot of fun with it it, it was great um and that led us to this anniversary which was the passing of um of natalie wood god rest her soul i as we talked about old movies i adore natalie wood she was so special and just such a, such a tremendous talent so it, it's the anniversary of her death and I guess the captain of the boat that they were on was making the rounds. So Kevin comes to me and he says, well, we got to do this on the show. You got to work this into the bit. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. That's brought into like real stuff that, that happened. And I don't know. And he's like, come on, just do it. So I said, OK, sure. So we when Kevin came to me and he's like, now, Christopher, this is a, sort of a big time. There's a lot of news about you and and Natalie Wood and, and, and all of that. And uh I, and I went into this riff. I had literally didn't script it out. I essentially said, and I could do it in the walking voice if you want. Go for it. <laughs> right. It was a festive night aboard the ship. And there was lots of Sambuca and later shouting. And I went to my forward bunk and I was reading a Hardy Boys novel and I went to sleep. And when I woke up, Natalie was gone. And like, that was essentially what we did, you know? And then the next sentence was like, and Adrian Peterson is going to run circles around the lions. It was that quick of a transition. Now I thought, you know, I don't have the best Christopher Walken impersonation, but you know, I thought people kind of clued in that this is being silly. It can't be real. Uh, Joe White, the late Joe White, the late great Joe White who worked with AP heard it live. And I guess thought it was actually Christopher Walken. And he calls up to the headquarters at AP and he says, I've got the story. And he's, what are you talking about? Christopher Walken has never talked about this ever. And I've got him talking about it on the air. And they're like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no. So, and I guess he had taped it. So he did the transcription of it. And I guess the way AP does things, they grade everything. If it's a red, if it's colored red, it's the biggest story. Like everything else is nothing. And apparently it was like somebody had thrown a bucket of red paint all over AP. They're like, this is, this took over everything. It was the day that Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore split up. So that was the big story. And they should actually be thanking me because I knocked them off the front page. You with did the Christopher Walken. I did. <laughs> I did. Um, and so we do the bit and, you know, and then we did the finished out the show and I left the show and, you know, nobody said anything to us. And I got to the gym, maybe like an hour after that. And my phone rings and it's from somebody. Uh, it's not Access Hollywood. If it's one of those type of shows like Dateline or something like that. They're like, Mr. Stern. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, thank God we caught you. Do you have the audio of Mr. Walken coming on your show earlier? I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you know, we talked about Natalie Wood and, you know, he's never coming. We're just trying to get this audio so we can have it on the show. I was like, oh, you're going to be so upset in about three seconds. She's like, why? Right, because it's me, sweetheart. It was never. I'm about to do a bench press. <laughs> right. Ask me how much you think I can bench press, lady. Um, at the gym. Right. So she's like, you're kidding me. She's like, this was like a like a prank. I was like, no, it's not a prank. It was a bit that we did. And then it started to snowball. And people were like, oh, the, the radio station, these guys were just trying to pull one over and everybody and like, no, 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 no. 
this is a bit that we've been doing forever. You guys are just like, I love Joe, but I was like, Joe, why didn't you call us up and ask us, like, was that really Chris Walken? And then I heard that Christopher Walken retained an attorney. And then that's when I started getting nervous because I was like, oh, man, I love you, Chris Walken. You can't don't sue me. This is all just in good fun, man. Come on. He um, actually was seeking legal action <laughs> against you. Potentially. Very potentially. Yeah. And I was terrified because like, then you're they're afraid, Jason, at that point, you're just going to get a, you know, a knock on the door. And he's like, right. You had fun with your little giggle fest there. And now <laughs> you've got to deal with the face on the other side of that voice, sunshine. And I was terrified that there was going to be something like that. But uh, no, it all went away. Uh, I did call up Billy because, again, I'd gotten the, the impersonation from him. I sort of ripped it off of him. Billy Bush. And Billy Bush. Yeah, I'm sorry. He had me on Access Hollywood Live, I guess, with him and Kit. And uh, it was not my best performance ever. I'll just say that. But it was it was pretty wild. Uh, having laughs about that. And it was that was my big TV appearance. Well, that's that's so wild that he actually lawyered up. And man, you <laughs> you were this close to ha having a Pulp Fiction uh, watch shoved up your, you know, <laughs> you know what, by Mr. Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah, man. it was or, a terrifying, terrifying reality. Yes, that is wild. That is wild. So, well, I mean, and this is the Associated Press, too. The fact that you were able to fool them is a huge feather in your cap because, you know, th this is I mean, we got to say, typically the Associated Press is the, you know, bastion of objectivity. This isn't like, you know, a Fox News or MSNBC right or left, you know, uh, bias or whatever. I mean, this is Associated Press long respect <laughs> respected down the center of the line. If it comes out on the wire, everyone runs with it. Is that a, a real feather in your cap that you're able to fool? the unfoolable <laughs> uh yes <laughs> in a word yes only because jason because occasionally when i would do news updates and i would report something from the ap and i, I would get to say i would allow myself to say that is if they got it right because occasionally they get things wrong and i felt like i was totally capable of being able to say that because i was you know they got that story wrong but yeah uh, i it was funny because we didn't intend to fool anybody you know we were just out there having laughs and uh, all of a sudden it became this huge deal. And I felt really bad for Joe, who was, again, a super sweet guy and, and really great at what he did. And it, it killed me that he sort of got caught up in this uh, uh, Joe White. So, uh, but yeah, I fooled the AP. Did he keep <laughs> his job? Hopefully. He did. He okay. did. He, he, yeah, he ended up retiring um, not long after, like maybe like five years ago or something like that, and was running like a convenience store or something like that when he passed. But uh, yeah, that did not cost him his job, thankfully. Gotcha. And are, were you able to keep doing, did it cost your job? <laughs> no. Were, were you able to keep doing the, the walking impressions on Kevin's show or did you kind of pull it back after that? No, we kept going. We kept going strong all the way through until, you know, we all sort of left that station when, when whatever happened to that station, what happened. Um, but no, we, we kept going strong with that. I think we probably poked some fun with it. And I think we, you know, I think he, he said, would you like to clarify anything from your last week's uh, appearance, Chris? And I think I said, yeah, I, I want to just make sure I say this very clearly. I was reading a Nancy Drew book and not a Hardy Boys novel when I was up in the birth, you know, and it was like that. And it was like literally, Jason, I had said I was reading a Hardy Boys novel and then I went to sleep after, you know, listening to this. So it's like who the fact that they took it seriously and thought that Chris Walken was actually reading a Hardy Boys novel. I was like, that should have been a red flag to everybody. 
Well, I love that, you know, the week after show, you people think you might be doing a, a you know, a mea culpa for legal reasons. And all you do is change what novel you're reading. <laughs> right. To oh, a Nancy Drew. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Hardy Boys to Nancy Drew. Some real heavy stuff there during this tragic event. I mean, <laughs> and we do we do have to say it was a very tragic event. That, you it know, was the, awful. Catalina yeah, was... Island, November 29th, 1981, a drowning. Um, and I, I actually I actually interviewed Robert Wagner. Who obviously, you know, was on the boat with them. And um he 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 had a memoir come out or something and i kid you not um again i have no way to prove this but i kid you not i do the whole interview and at the very end i ask him about that tragic night and and he start it starts to be like oh you're breaking up on me talk to you later it was it was bizarre <laughs> yeah. now i'm not accusing him of anything but the timing no. is, is crazy yeah, and I'm sure. Listen, I, I, this is why Christopher Walken's never talked about it. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing because it was such a tough memory. You know, they were all so close, and that was just a horrible night. And she, listen, I never met Natalie Wood, but she was one of those personalities on screen that you felt like you knew her. She was just such a magical person, and uh, it was a horrible day. It was a horrible event, and um, and I loved all, I loved all three: Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken. Natalie Wood, you know, um, but I can't do Robert Wagner or Natalie Wood impersonation. So I'm stuck with doing Chris Walken. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Walken, I mean, we could talk to them. I mean, the deer hunter he was so amazing in that movie. Um, oh, my God. So yeah. good. So good. Um, well, now you'll you know, you'll you'll always be forever tied to Christopher Walken, whether you like it or not. Actually, I'm sure you like it. <laughs> it's uh, this this is a crazy thing you were able to, to pull off there. Um, well, remind our listeners, you know, a little bit more about you. I mean, this wasn't this isn't the first time that you've you know, you've done impersonations. I mean, face it all the time. Most of the world knows you as a, di a different name as Nigel, a British guy <laughs> on the Tony Kornheiser <laughs> show, not knowing it's American Mark Stern. How did that how did that actually start? How did you start doing the Nigel bit on Tony's show? Uh, it's and you're very kind to say all those things. Thank you so much. Um, uh, I started with Tony and I think I've been with him maybe a month or two. And we, he, we were sort of still feeling each other out in terms of a working relationship. And I don't think I was doing all that well. And then this story came up uh, and it was, it was a bizarre story. It, and, and please, audience members, forgive me for talking about the details of this because it's kind of weird. But it was a story that came out that there was a steel cage match between a lion and like 40 small people. Um, and and in the story, like 30 of the small people were eaten out directly and like another eight were maimed. It was like a horrible story. And we're like, this is terrible. And we did. You know, we talked about it on the show. And then the next day we found out it was that was truly a hoax. And it turned out it started in England as a bar bet, like these two guys talking. So then Gary Braun, who was on the show, and I started joking around in, in an ad break. We'd be like, no, you got to take the lion every time. No, no, it's a numbers game, man. It's a little people. You got to take them. No, no. And so Tony starts laughing. He goes, all right, everyone stop. Do that when we get on the air. So we came back from commercial. Tony, Tony explains, he goes, it started out as a bar bet and it sounded something like this. And it goes to Gary and I talking and we have big jokes and we, we kill it. And there's a big laugh in the studio. We go to commercial break. Tony takes his headphones off and he points him and he goes, you can only talk like that from now on. <laughs> I said, OK, because I'd always done voices. I did a lot of acting, you know, in high school and college and accents have always been. You know, I can't do a lot of things in life, but I can imitate different accents pretty well. And so Tony loved it. 
and we loved it being the subversive sort of like, who's this Nigel guy? Didn't have a last name. Tony came up with the name. It was an homage to Nigel Tufnell because we all love Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally within like a few weeks, I had people like reaching out to me like, did you get fired from Tony's show? I haven't heard you on that show in weeks. And I'm like, They replaced no. you with some guy named Nigel. <laughs> It's me. It's actually me. And it was people who are close to the show. I was like, how do you not know that's me? Um, so that was and, and we've been keeping going strong. I mean, I think, you know, we talk about it now. I mean, the, the cat's sort of out of the bag. People know that I'm not actually an English guy, but there are a lot of folks out there that listen and they're like, wow, they got an English producer that doesn't seem to know much about English football or anything like that. <laughs> but he seems to be from England. So and I'll say this and I, I can't prove this. But on the Mike and Mike show, uh, the national uh, sports show that they did, they ended up bringing out an, an actual English producer named Liam. And I could only feel that was some sort of tribute to the success that Nigel would have. <laughs> that they had to replicate that in some way. So, yeah, that was life imitates art, sir. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So but that was and we've been doing the Nigel like literally I can't do Tony show now without slipping into that accent. Like if they said that the character's dead, I'd be like, well, I don't know what to do now because I only talk like that. You can't kill off Nigel. I mean, that's that's no. a staple. That's Americana. No. Well, so how yeah, many exactly. years have you how many years are you at doing Nigel now? When was that first, you know, cage match animal thing? <laughs> I want to say like oh five, I think. Oh wow. four, oh five. I mean, it's been I've been it's coming up on I mean, I know Tony just celebrated the 20th anniversary of PTI. I'm pretty sure that when he and I have done 20 years together, we're not going to get the same sort of fanfare, but it's coming up. It's, it's about 17 years that I've been doing it. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we all love that the Tony Kornheiser show and the radio or the podcast or even PTI. It's it's the the fact the fact that he had the sensibility to to allow you to do that and keep it going like it's this inside joke that's now pushing two decades. <laughs> It really is. And that's and he got that. I loved being a little subversive with stuff, you know, that kind of humor. And he loves that. And so that was when we really clicked as a working duo. And it's I mean, that was that not that it was bad before them, but it was like, okay, now we're we're you know, we're humming and this is just great. So that it's been and it's been such a treat to get to work with a guy like that. So talented, so kind and generous. Yes, I know he plays a curmudgeon a lot, but he's one of the kindest people I've ever gotten to know. And to get to do that every day and to to get to make him laugh and to make our audience members laugh has just been an absolute thrill for me. Absolutely. And was that was that at back when you were was that when you were in our building? Remember, uh, 3WT used to be in T.O.P.'s building or when 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 was that? When did you start with them? We started. No, it was before that. We started. We were uh it was the old DC 101 building over in Brookville Road off of Georgia okay. Avenue. Um, that's where he started. And then and it got to be so big when I would fill in for Tony because Tony was off a lot for Monday Night Football. Sometimes I would fill in for him. I could only do it as Nigel. So I'd have to do the whole show, conducting interviews, going to commercial break, like everything as Nigel. Uh, and it was that was pretty strange. So Did you uh, ever find yourself like slipping out of it here and there and then you're like oh crap i gotta be nigel for a second <laughs> for some reason very rarely he's caught me a couple times like literally like once or twice over the 17 years he's like hey you you went a little american there i think we give it a little bit more latitude now because i think we can argue the way to say well nigel's been living here for so long you know he's right. lost a little bit of the accent he's but- assimilated a little bit Yes, exactly. <laughs> but now you and you know because you used to come and do the show with us uh, on occasion when we did the show with Chatter. Um, 
So we had a live audience there. So when the when the, the segment is going, we're live taping, you know, all right, Tony, yeah, this is we got coming up next. I can't wait for it. You know, all right, yeah, great guns. And then the second we go to commercial, we're like, all right, that was great. All right, we got five seconds. You're like, yeah. the people in the audience be like, wait a minute, who is that? He's got two voices. But I've always had that. And people have asked me, how do you get it straight when, and I don't know what it is, but when the mics are on for that particular show, I just have something in my brain that says, you're Nigel. So right. make sure you speak with a British accent. So, um, well, it's so, probably yeah. like any other actor that's playing a British role. You know, while you're there, you flip the switch, you do it, and then you go home. But do you ever find yourself doing the Nigel voice outside, like in in normal life? <laughs> All the time. All the time. For some reason, I get a great thrill if I like bump into somebody, you know, like at, at the Safeway. Safeway is like when Nigel really comes out because I'll be shopping and I'll be like, oh, what do I want? I want some beans. Oh, yeah. Beans would be nice. What else do we want for dinner? So I'll just be talking aloud and then and then I'll run it like bump into somebody like, oh, sorry about that. Excuse me. And so for some reason, I think it's important for people at Safeway to think that I'm British. I have no idea why. It's really bizarre and kind of stupid, but not that's not, me. When you set that up, I thought you were going to say people come up to you. I thought it was strictly going to be when someone approaches you and says, aren't you, Nigel? But you you just said that you're sitting there talking to yourself in the voice. Do I want beans? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. You're talking to yourself in the voice now. Wow. OK. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's how far it's gone. Yeah, that's, and I, I blame it. I blame it on the lockdown and pandemic, but I've been doing this for over a decade. So, you know, that's how insane I am. Exactly. Well, a little insanity goes a long way. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to reminder, before we run, uh, remind our listeners, whenever I have someone on a, a little bit about your own journey, you know, like wh where exactly did, did you grow up? I grew up in Liverpool. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're talking to Mark no. now. <laughs> uh, that's right. It's not me. Um, no, uh, I grew up in Boston. Um, I got you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got out of school. I kind of kicked around with some jobs, but had done a bunch of acting. And, and Billy Bush again comes into the story and he said uh, he was working at a station, said, hey, you would have fun with this. Connected me with somebody up in New Hampshire. I spent the first three years of my radio career um, doing radio in Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire at WLKZ Oldies 105. And, you know, and I would have fun doing voices and characters on that. And then I Billy needed a producer. I came down and I worked with him on his morning show for a couple of years. But I always wanted to do sports and uh, an opening happened, you know, uh, open up at uh, a slot, opened up at, at 980. And I got a job there and I was with them for an awfully long time, except for those three years I was over at T.O.P., which was such a thrill for me. You know, when Tony and I, I went over there um, because, I mean, I'm not just saying this because this is what T.O.P. W.T.O.P. is the gold standard for radio, not just in Washington, D.C., but everywhere. And that's the personnel, the, the programming, everything, management, ownership. It is just the best that I've ever worked with. So it was an absolute thrill for me to be over there. Excuse me. And then um, and then Tony, I went back to 980. And then he decided he and his son, Michael, said, you know what, we want to take this thing to a podcast. And so we left, gosh, I want to say four or five years ago now. And it's been a ball just doing that because basically it's us working for ourselves. And um, it's just been a, I mean, a real thrill. And somebody once asked me not that long ago, they said, man, don't you want to do something else? Like you've been working with Tony forever, you know, and doing this Nigel bit forever. And what I said to him, I said, listen, you know, this is the greatest show I could ever hope to work on and the greatest guy I could ever hope to work with. And if, if at the end of my day, 
when my obituary is being written, if the first line is the longtime producer and co, you know, sidekick Nigel on the Tony Kornheiser show, I'm incredibly proud of that. You know, would I have loved to have won an Oscar? Yes. And I might still want as a screen win one as a screenwriter with you, Jason. I'm still hoping about that. But <laughs> we you can know, dream. this is yeah, exactly. But and and there's still things that I'm I'm pursuing and, and doing a, a lot of fun stuff. But um, but this has been such a joy and 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 that so that sort of you know, I was just a kid that loved to do voices and loved to sort of perform that got me into radio. And then my skill set really just matched up with, with Tony because he's a guy that loves old music and old movies. And I'm he's like, how do you know all this stuff? Right. <laughs> That's what I watch. It's what I listen to. So it's just been a real it's just been a real great journey, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in this medium, it doesn't get any bigger than that. If that is the line in the obituary, you know, longtime producer and sidekick Nigel to Tony Kornheiser show, you, you've done it. That's a that's a life well lived. That's 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 as big as it gets in our in our business. Uh, yeah, that's well, what I think. We all know we all know uh, Mr. Tony, you know, his persona from TV, PTI and the, and the radio show and then now the podcast. What's he like? I've, I've, you know, I only met him maybe once or twice, but what, working with him day in and day out, what's he like behind the scenes? You know, dish, dish on the legend himself as, as a, as a guy, as just a guy. He's, he, you know what? Here's what, well, first of all, he's one of the best guys I know. And I know he would, he would say to this, he would say, pshaw, come on, stop, you know, but he really is one of the nicest guys. He's one of the most generous guys that I've ever worked with. Um, And that, and that's in terms of, like a generosity of spirit, but also generosity of the microphone. Like he's always happy to give mic time to people. And some people you work with aren't, aren't always like that. Um, and the thing I will always love about Tony is he loves to laugh. He loves to have fun. Like that's my big takeaway from working with him. And he loves a good joke, but he also doesn't suffer fools. So if you're not funny, he's not just going to give you a blanket laugh. So when you make him laugh, you know, you've really hit a home run and when I close my eyes and think of those great moments on the show, it's just seeing him grin with like the Cheshire cat grin. And you're like, man, we just did it right there. And so, and hearing him laugh is always one of my great joys in life. So that's, that's what I think of him as, as a guy that likes to laugh and likes to have jokes and, 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 and make fun. And, you know, we're serious about what we do, but we also don't take it too seriously if that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's a good balance of that. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned just a second ago that, There'll be times where, you know, you'll mention an old movie or old music and he stops and goes, how do you know all this? You're like, well, I, this is what I do in my spare time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and you and I share that. Uh, we're old souls with the watching TCM and stuff. But what what sort of do you have any examples like what sort of what are his what are his touch movie touchstones? What does he what does he love? Get really animated when you bring up. Well, uh, a few more and Godfather, Godfather one and two, like we when there's so many of us that agree, those are just brilliant movies. And anytime you quote those movies, we're always going back and forth on quotes, you know? Oh, yeah. Ar arguably the greatest combined piece of work, part one and part two, arguably the greatest. Yeah. So he loves those. That thing you do, uh, the Tom Hanks movie, sure. it's sort of an homage to the Beatles in a lot of way or that sort of time period. Right. We both love that. Um, Michael Clayton is another movie. He's called that a perfect movie. It is. Um, it's underrated. Like people forget about it, but it's so it darn really good. Is. It's really, really good. Um, and so those off the top of my head, those are the ones, those are the ones he really likes. You know, if I come in and I say to him, I was watching Nick and Nora Charles last night, I'd be like, <laughs> all right, it's a good movie, but what are you doing? Man? <laughs> you know? So, exactly. um, yeah. And he loves the Beatles movies, loves help. I think he likes help more than hard days, but he really? loves, you know, cause he's a big Beatles guy. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Wow. Well, you and I could could seriously talk all day. Um, anything else we want to you want to update us on about going forward? I mean, I, I hope I hope Tony sh- does the show forever, but um, I know I know it'll be you know long after you and I are all, we're all gone. I feel like it, it'll be in good hands with Mike. Michael is Michael is a, a good dude too, man. Uh, talk about what what made him such a you know an a, a easy fit fit in there with you all. Michael is fantastic. He is a really good dude, as you said. He's uh, I've become really, really good friends with him. And it's great having him on the show just because behind the scenes and stuff that he organizes, you know, he's in charge of a lot of like sponsorships and sales opportunities. And he's also in charge of keeping Tony on the rails because as much as I love Tony, sometimes he can sort of get in his own way. We're getting upset about something. And Michael's right there to keep him in line. And and Michael has a first of all, Michael's one of the smartest guys. I have ever run into. He's just a really smart, really well-read guy um, and uh, a really dry, subtle humor. And he throws out one-liners that sometimes they get lost. If there's all of us in the studio, they get lost in the noise of it. And so when it's been the three of us, he's really stood out a lot more, which I've loved because he's really got a great sense of humor. And I've loved seeing that shine. And it's just uh, it's great to see a father-son get along the way they do and enjoy doing what they do together as much as they do. And, and to be sort of a fly in the wall for all of that, again, has just been a real treat. Yeah, for sure. Following in dad's footsteps, but you mentioned the Godfather and he never, he never did a, I never wanted this for you, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) No, never did. Never did. And I never had to help him wheel, you know, his father in a hospital while some people were coming to hit him, you know, right. I think that was, was that, that was, when that, that nurse, when that nurse says, what are you doing? I jump every time. Coppola <laughs> structures that like a Hitchcock suspense or something, man. I guess that, so what would, I guess that makes you Tom Hagen in this, in this uh, relationship. I, here, but. I think so. Yeah. I think it makes me Tom Hagen. I'd rather be Tom than Enzo the Baker or, you know, certainly better than Sonny. Cause it does not end well for Sonny at the, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. On the, yeah, and, and at the at the toll booth, but oh, yeah. and then and of course in in part two that you get that foreshadowing where it's daddy's fighting again, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, but so. I, listen, if you're calling me Tom Hagen, I'll take Tom Hagen. You know, I you know he's the one that had to go out and give uh what was the producer's name? Waltz. Oh, well, yeah, Waltz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was the one that had to go have that dinner and deliver that message. <laughs> And I love a couple scenes later, they br- they bring the, the bouquet of flowers and you say, hey, this is from, this from, is Johnny. from, this from Johnny. Johnny got the part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what does the Godfather do? You know, my brand is just like, yeah, get it out of here. He's like, and Hagen's like, of course, I just wanted you to see him, boss. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, so- I'll I'll take Tom Hagen any day of the week. That is a huge compliment. It's so good. Well, before we run, um, we really could talk all day, but why don't you just tell our listeners, you know, where we can find you? Obviously, Tony Kornheiser show on the podcast. But uh, what what you got? You got a, a bunch of other irons in the fire, right? Another podcast, too, right? I do. I'm working on a couple other podcasts. I uh, I'm producing and co-hosting with Adam Ferrara, who is one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Also, one of the kindest people you ever know. In fact, he's got it. He's got a show coming to the D.C. area Magoobie soon. Um, and I should have the dates. Otherwise, I'd plug it. But look up Adam Ferrara like you want to see him. That's called the Adam Ferrara podcast. It's out every Thursday. And some brilliant interviews. They just interviewed um, Brooke Shields, uh, among others. Uh, and great stuff there. I also am working with USTA. Uh, I've done a lot of work with tennis um, with the City Open over the last 10 years. And that's led me to working with the U.S. Open. And now they've um, they've uh, said we want you to do this podcast. It's been going on since May, twice a month. Uh, it's called Courtside, the official U.S. Open podcast with Mark Stern. So uh, hopefully I just 
was talking to Jimmy Arias, a former number five player in the world, about Jason, some of the craziest stories I have ever heard in professional tennis is when he played Davis Cup down in Paraguay. Uh, I'll give you one of the highlights. He lost the match, but it was such a crazy atmosphere. Somebody literally threw a brick at his head. Like, oh my was, God. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to listen to the interview for the rest of it. But it was he it's terrific. So I have a lot of fun with that. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's keeping me plenty busy. <laughs> How do you like my backhand? Well, I bet you can't take this service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the fans were so crazy. Yeah, it was it's uh, ESPN needs to do a 30 for 30 on that. That match alone was just insane. Wow. Well, plug it again. What's the name of the tennis podcast? Courtside, the U.S. Open podcast. All right. Look that up right when you get get off here, um, everybody. All right, well, Mark, thanks so much for for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, again, it's the the 10th anniversary of the infamous Christopher Walken uh, voice impression hoax um, that you did on 980. Um, but really, really, this was just a, an excuse to catch up with you. <laughs> I was going to say it's yeah, that's the why the whole you know why we did this is because the anniversary. But any excuse to talk to you, Jason, you're one of my favorite people. You're you're you know more about movies than I do. And I I can't tell you what a huge compliment that is because I watch everything and your your take on everything is just so great. If I'm going to see a movie, I want to know what you think about it first. And I love talking to you. I, I hope to come back soon because there's so much more I want to chat with you about because I just love catching up with you, man. Oh, right back at you. You are you are a wealth of of knowledge of of music, movies, everything, sports, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's always great catching up with you too. Well, I guess uh, we we you got to say goodbye as Nigel. I mean, that's the only other way to end this, right? Do you want it as Nigel or you want it as walking? You know, why don't you do both? What would Nigel? What <laughs> Nigel catches up with Christopher Walken on the anniversary? Nigel interviews him. Go. <laughs> All right. So Chris, so a few years ago, does he? Right. You understand a little English. Well, I'm not going to talk to you about this. I came here to talk to Jason Fraley. Wow. He's a fantastic human being. You, you little, little cockroach from Manchester, England or whatever. Well, that's not very nice, is it? All right. Well, I guess I won't talk to you then. We'll throw it back to Jason for the rest of the interview. Can't you, Jason? <laughs> that was perfect. Mark Stern, everybody. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.